Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Listeners, it's me, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, here with another episode of So Many White Guys. I'm here with this little thought, <laughs> Joni Mitch. Nobody's ever called me a thought before. Well, get used to it, honey. Cool. Do you know what it stands for? That hoe over there. Yeah! I use Twitter sometimes. <laughs> Follow me, at Joanna with three N's. <laughs> um, I have to tell you, you uh-huh. gave me such a great nickname, Joni Mitch. I love it. One person recently was like, wait, that's not your real name. And I was like, no. And he goes, what's your real name? And I was like, Joanna Salataroff. And he goes, what? <laughs> He's so disappointed. He was so disappointed. And he was like, yeah, I listened to it and always thought it was kind of strange that your name is so similar to Joni Mitchell's. I was like, that's the point. <laughs> Anyway, Phoebs, it's been a while since we've been in the studio. Yes. And I have been dying to tell you a story about an aggressive male that I met. Uh-oh. Have you had any, like, interactions with gross, aggressive men lately, Phoebe? No, I've been limiting my contact with men. I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. That's great. I um, went to a bar with a friend. We went early. It was... Either 5.30 or 6.30. Like, very early. Very, very early. We went to a bar at 4.15 to catch Ellen. I ordered cottage cheese and nothing else. <laughs> okay, so you did, you did happy hour. Yes, and my friend and I are sitting there, and there's a lot of space in the bar. Yeah. And these two guys are standing pretty close to us to the point where they keep accidentally elbowing my friend and I. Nope. So finally, she tapped them on the arm and politely said, she's like, you know what, can you, would you mind just stepping over a foot or two like you keep hitting us? And the guy who she asked, like, gave her this look like, fuck you. You know what I mean? He was so pissed and so upset by it. And his friend kind of was like, be cool, man, and kind of like pulled him away. And then about five minutes later... I feel an arm wrap around my neck. And then it wrapped around Sarah's neck. And he was like, let's have a hug. And I was really impressed with myself. I pushed him off of me and started screaming, don't touch me. Because what the fuck? And then he kept trying to go in for a hug and was like, God, it's just a joke. God. And I was like, you're not entitled to touch me. And he like backed off. And then... Ten minutes later, he came up to us and he goes, you know, when I tried to hug you and you pushed me away, I just want you to know that that really hurt and men have feelings too. Go fucking die in a fire. I will bring the marshmallows. You're a goddamn moron. Can you believe that? And it's like, yeah, men do have feelings, but also you cannot touch me. Right. And your feeling can be... I'm just not going to touch that woman. He was so, That's a feeling. He felt so entitled. The I'm glad have, you screamed. Well, that's the thing is I felt like I tapped. I have this alter ego that I've created for myself. Is your Sasha Fierce? Yes. Her name is Lit Joan. You that know. sounds like a divorced 
Long Island woman who's just pounding away white wines. There goes Lit Joan. There goes Lit Joan. <laughs> it's nice. It's good to have like an yeah. alter ego that you're kind of just like, I'm just going to be pissed. It was good. Good for you. Yeah. So I don't. Do you have an alter ego, Phoebe, that you lean into? No, I'm just me, twenty four seven. It's pretty cool. I'm dorky. So Phoebe, what else is going on with you? Are you and you and Bake Off playing a lot of video games these days? Um. Yeah. You know, we kind of had sort of a devastating conversation because you know he's a gamer and we have like a steering wheel with a clutch and the pedals and the whole thing yeah you guys are hooked up yeah we're hooked up and he he's like what if i like quit my job and just became a gamer (laughs) and i was like right but then i have to tell people that you're a gamer for a living and i want my future husband to be a fucking gamer. That's like the names on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> British Bake Offs is just gamer. Everyone's a dental assistant. That's crazy. Gamer. Gamer. Ugh. I feel like he'd have to change his style too. Oh my God. Janko Jean. Janko Jean. <laughs> I was with someone the other day who was trying to read the word Jinko out loud, and she goes, J-N-C-O jeans? What are those? And then you try to explain them, and you're like, they're huge pants. Yeah. It's hard to convey the actual they aesthetic. Are, it's If you want to wear a picnic blanket. <laughs> exactly. <Done. laughs> oh, my God. Did you ever wear Jinkos, Phoebe? No. You were more of a contempo casuals kind of gal. <laughs> no, I was Charlotte Russ. And then New York and Company, which is like not what you should be That's wearing at like hilarious. sixteen. But my mom would take me to the mall and I would get like slacks from New York and Company. <laughs> the last my mom was like, "Honey, I'll take you shopping," and I was like, "Great, where yeah. do you want to go?" And she was like, "Burlington Coat Factory." Oh man! And I was like, "Can we go somewhere else?" And then the offer was just like kind of off the table because <laughs> I didn't. Want to shop at Burlington? Oh, you don't want to go to Burlington? Well, fuck you. (laughs) They're more than just great coats, you bitch. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? Take a break. We'll be here. Yeah, do what you got to do. But come back. Seriously. This is going to be good. Welcome back, bitches. Okay, I am so excited for this interview. Joanna, you got to turn that. Okay, she turned the volume down on her headphones. Apparently, I was too loud. Way down. Is this better? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm so excited for today's interview. Um, The guest is such a badass, you guys. A successful actress, I mean, she's an Oscar winner, Emmy winner, Golden Globe winner, and she's a producer of film and TV. She's an author. She has her own production company. She's a media mogul. I'm talking about Reese Witherspoon. Yay! We got to up our, like, budge so we can get, like, cool sound effects. Fireworks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Reese is here. I'm very excited, Joni. How are you feeling? I love her. Have you met her before? No. I have not. Believe it or not, our paths have not crossed. (laughs) Have you met her before? No. 
I'm pumped. I know. This is good. I'm wearing like my fanciest like fortune teller kimono. And a turban. Yeah. So I'm really bringing it. I'm bringing (laughs) Miss Cleo, but I'm telling the truth, honey. I'm wearing a sensible cardigan. (laughs) I was like, it's a Joni classic. It is a Joni classic. (laughs) I was like, I got to gear up for this. You you guys, Joni's going to shed a little tear, (laughs) a little Midwestern tear. I love the movie Election so much. It's so good. Dear Lord Jesus. I do not often speak with you and ask for things, but now I really must insist that you help me win the election tomorrow because I deserve it and Paul Metzler doesn't, as you well know. I love Reese in a Dark Comedy. Yeah. It's so good. She's so good in that. I love Cruel Intentions. You know what your problem is? You take yourself way too seriously. I just saw it again recently in the theater. It holds up, right? It totally holds up. It's so... I know the... The Sarah Michelle Gellar Selma Blair kiss was like a thing, yeah. but I kind of forgot how racy it was. I know it's like mucho very, tongue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because isn't there like a little spit string mm-hmm. that? Oh my gosh, they went for it. <laughs> you gotta get that. That was rated R, right? Yeah, it was you gotta rated earn R. that rated R, honey. So cruel intentions. Yes, you love it. Yes, and I feel like she's just kind of good in everything. Like you know, some people where it's like. They need to have, like, the right script or, like, the right director to really bring it. But she just nails everything. Yeah, and she does so many different kinds of projects, too. And I loved Big Little Lies. So good. You're so nice. Thank you. This is Monterey. We pound people with knives. (laughs) To death. (laughs) I loved it. I watched the entire thing in one day. Outside of Game of Thrones, that was, like, must-see TV. Like, where if I had a stand-up show, I would, like, race home and watch it that night. I could not wait the next day because it was so well done. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And I, they're coming back for season two. I'm so excited. What what more lies are there to tell? <laughs> Big little ones. <laughs> huh? I'm just, like, Reese's marriage in the show, it is so fractured with her and Adam Scott. <laughs> He's oh, just gosh. like at his standing desk the whole I time. <laughs> I love that standing Wearing, desk. Wearing like sensible New Balance shoes. <laughs> and his like thick beard. Yeah, totally. I like the beard. I'm taking the beard. No, I, the thing I'm the most impressed about by Big Little Lies is I've never seen like a patient therapist relationship portrayed on TV Ooh, like that. Oh, that was good. I just thought it was like so moving the way they handled like Nicole Kidman's entire storyline. Yeah, too. we don't want to do any spoilers, but if you guys haven't watched the first season, I highly recommend it. It's only seven episodes. It's seven hours of your life. It's going to fly by so quick. And all the acting is so incredible. And especially Nicole Kidman's therapist storyline, I thought was like, that's just not shown on TV. It handles women's stories in a way like, I have never seen before. Yeah. I love it so much. And it talks about friendship in a way that I haven't really seen before either. Ooh, I have chills. I fucking love that show. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. Today, this interview is going to be amazing. Reese is going to give us everything. And I think the three of us are just like going to go on a girl's trip. I love that idea. Right? I love that plan. Let's go to Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. Let's go. What? Never been. Oh, my gosh. You got to go. It's great for two days. Okay, cool. And then after that, you're like, can I go home now? (laughs) But I think you will like Vegas. You can like have some drinks. And then you, me, Reese will like go for a spa day. Mm -hmm. 
We'll head to the craps table. Yes. Well, maybe, you know. We're just going to have one heck of a time. And to be clear, Reese has not approved any of this. No, she has not. No. You can pitch it. Yeah. You can pitch it during the interview. (laughs) And she'll probably also have to pay for our flights. (laughs) Do you have some points that you can share? And the hotels are expensive. I'm a public radio producer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's bring it back out of this fantasy. We're going to talk to Queen Reese. She has a bunch of other TV shows, podcasts, movies in the works through her production company called Hello, Sunshine. This is the wonderful Reese Weatherspoon. Am I okay to just like start? I can go in? Okay, great. Wait, do I go back to the part where I'm like totally obsessed with you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I did that like off mic. She's like, come on in, quick, quick, quick. I just love you so much. And I listen to your podcast like Thank every, everything. You. you, Jessica. I love Two Up Queens. I listen to so many white guys on my way to work every morning. Yes. This is really awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited you're here. I've wanted you on the podcast for a while. And so we finally made it happen. Yay. And I want to start with like, Something cute. We have a person in common. We do. Michelle Obama. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah, because we both got to interview her for her book tour. Yes. And I want to know, do you have like any fun niche stories? <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, she's the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> she's as amazing in person as she is, as you see her on TV or in her book. Um, my love affair started with her when I got to visit the White House when she was actually oh, man, there so cool. being first lady. And she would have these incredible um, lunches where she would bring in women from across our country who were all doing really different things. It was so informal. And like Barack popped his head in and was like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> and there would be like 30 women there. Um, some were politicians, some were in the arts. And... I felt so incredibly privileged to be there at that particular time. Um, yeah, and I just remember I sat next to her and she and I said, "Oh, Miss Obama, it's so nice to meet you." And yeah. she said, "Call me Michelle." And Aww. I was like, oh, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, it's that personal touch mm-hmm. and that she really deeply, genuinely cares about people, and she's really genuinely curious about them too. Yeah, but they just had such dignity and grace during their entire um, presidency and the terms in office. And I was so moved by the book. Didn't I you know? Yeah, it was incredible. I, yeah. What was your favorite part? I really liked her sort of talking about not, like her concern of like her being swallowed by his ambition. Because mm. I think that's a thing that like, you know, as much as there have been advances in society, I think women are still taught to like, you know, stand by the guy and like like help him flourish and you don't necessarily have to flourish career wise. So I thought that was very interesting that she talked about that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. What about you? Um and still she accomplished a lot yeah. too, which was amazing. My I thought and I think in terms of cinematic moments, mm-hmm. but the very last minute when they got on the plane, their last oh, yeah. day, they had a sleepover mm-hmm. and they were trying to get the kids out because I guess the turnover between um the next president coming in and her going out was really quick. Yeah. And they couldn't get the kids out. And the kids were all crying and hugging everybody who worked at the White House. And then she got in the plane. And this actually makes me want to cry. She started to cry. She goes, I did it. Yeah. I did it. And she did. They did it. And they made it through. No scandals. This this time of intense scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And they did it with grace and dignity. And I just have so much respect for that. Yeah. They went through, like, it's such a high-pressure situation. And I feel like you... 
your career, the way it has had so many twists and turns. Now you're like a media <laughs> mogul. It's like high pressure. You have like production companies. You're doing podcasts, TV, film, books. You're you're making projects for yourself and also other people. Like that is just a lot that's on your plate right now. So was this like sort of like what you always want to do? Like you just have your own sort of like empire or have you kind of sort of grown into this? Um, no, I had no, I always just wanted to be a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Then I, you know, became an actor and that was great. And then I started to, have, like I got about 35, 36 mm-hmm. and there weren't as many parts. And I started reading really bad scripts. And then I would ask my girlfriends who are actresses, I was like, are you reading anything good? They're like, no, there's nothing going on. And it was kind of like when, um, in 2008, when there was the recession Mm -hmm. and we lost a big part of the movie business. So like 30% of the movies, they just stopped making them. And they were the ones that starred women and people of color and stories about LGBTQ and everything was kind of coming into its own, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it was late, just they weren't funding the development for those anymore. So I was like, okay, I'll just start my own company. And then the risk that I took was like, I don't want to ask studios for money because they're not going to make any of these movies. Yeah, I literally had studio heads say to me, I, we already have a movie with one woman in it this year, so we're not going to make another one. What? Yeah. This year, LOL. Well, no, no, oh not this I'm talking about probably it was 2014. But that's 2014. <sighs> yeah, that's like crazy. And I was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And, how, and I'm like a white girl getting stuff done. I mean, this is never going to happen if I don't start doing something myself and I've done enough for me. Yeah. You know, I want to do for other people and um, and I want to leave this place. A, I want to leave Hollywood. I want to leave media a different place than the way I found it. Yeah. And so were you sort of, I, I know like I like to do things that sort of scare me where it's like when I wrote my books, I like didn't really know how to write a book <laughs> and I had to like sort of figure it out. Yeah. And so, I mean... The sort of business aspects of Hollywood, I feel like actors and especially women aren't really taught like the ins and outs of like how to run something. They're taught how to be in someone else's vision. So how did you sort of educate yourself to be able to run a production company and know how to do everything from beginning to end? That's a great question. Um, (laughs) I'm a profesh. (laughs) I actually read this really great article Mm -hmm. in um, the New York Times that Meg Ryan was being interviewed maybe like six months ago. And I thought that perfectly encapsulated what happens to you. Like I was 23 years old when Legally Blonde came out and it was like this, this hurricane around me. I didn't know how to handle it. And people come around you and they're not, ill-intended, but there's this kind of feeling that you become infantilized. Mm. And she says that in the article, and I thought, what's infantilized? I gotta look this up. (laughs) (laughs) But they make you childish by saying, Mm. we'll take care of your bills. You don't need to know how um, your pay structure will work. Just trust us. It'll be like this. Do you want us to just sketch it out for you? And instead of like going deep into that, I let myself because I was so overwhelmed. I was scared. Mm. I was being followed by paparazzi. I had a two-year-old daughter. I didn't know where to hide. Mm. Um, I was like, am I ruining her life? I also, I, I want to keep working because mm-hmm. I want to like, maybe this is it for me. I came up in a place of scarcity, not abundance. So I focused on the work. And then when I turned about 31, I was like, hold on. I don't even understand the revenue structure of my mm. business. And I would say to a lot of girls that I get out there now, I'm like, the minute you started a business, learn how they make money mm-hmm. and how you can be pivotal in your industry, whatever it is, to help them create more revenue. Because the more you are responsible for that, yeah. the more you are integral to that company. So that's what I did. And I actually married a businessman. Yeah. And he kind of helped. And he actually believed in me. And he was like, 
you know, nobody knows what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so that empowered me to kind of take the steps to start my own company. And so you've been kicking ass with that. And I think like probably like the biggest representation of that is Big Little Lies. When that came out, that really was like such a sensation, not only like pop culture wise, but like the different layers of like female friendship, you know, the whole storyline that Nicole Kidman had. I don't want to like spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen season one yet, but get your life together. Um, But they're just like... It was just so complex and rich, and you just feel like you hadn't really seen a female experience sort of encapsulated that way on television. So um, now you have season two, and you're adding Meryl Streep to the mix. Yeah. How did that come about, and how did that go? Okay. That was crazy. <laughs> that was so crazy. Well, the the book came out, and then Nicole and I were both going to vie for it separately. Mm-hmm. And instead, we just called each other, and we were like, why don't we do this together? Yeah. And um, she really wanted to play Celeste, and I didn't know what I was going to play. But we ended up doing it, and we got this director from um, this movie I'd done, Wild, and he was amazing. And we had no idea people were going to like it as much as they did. We were shocked. Our first, like we got a couple of first reviews and they were not good. And um, people say, oh, this is a chick show. or Really? Yeah. And I think because it's unfolds slowly, you don't realize Mm. she's being, um, well, I'm just going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. That she's being assaulted at home. It's domestic violence. Mm. It's it's violent. It's actually sexual. The the violence leads to sexuality. Mm. And I think there's so many layers to to violence. And I had been in a bad relationship when I was a young girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I so saw myself in that part and going, oh, I make it okay. He didn't mean it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, but but then he was nice and he said sorry. And I think women who have children, that's a whole other layer. Like, am I going to break up my family? Mm -hmm. What will I tell my kids? What will he tell the kids? Um, Also, economic destabilizing. Mm -hmm. So he told her to quit her job. Now she's like got... You know, I'm talking about Celeste, the yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> but all these ways that you're disempowered and destabilized so that you have to stay in these relationships. And it happens to women in big fancy houses. It happens to women in apartment buildings. It is a across-the-board um, situation that's happening to one in three women in this country and all over the world. So I think opening up that conversation and the nuance of it and showing the brutal reality of it, but also that she's lying to her friends. Mm-hmm. They have no clue. And it just kind of makes me think there's so much going on that we don't know about our friends. Yeah. You know? And season two is sort of, um, it's great. Meryl called us and she she called Nicole and I and she was like, "Is she said, I heard there's a part for me. And there was. <laughs> that and is like, like the best call. Like, I heard you want me in your show, right? <laughs> yeah. And I called so Nicole cool. and I was like, is this for real? And then she sent us an email afterwards. She was like, well, ladies, it was right after we had won the Emmy or something. And she yeah. was like, I guess I'll... I guess I'll have to help you because your show isn't doing very well. (laughs) And she just came and she was so awesome. And she kind of represents, I don't want to give too much away, but a different uh, idea about that. You know, there's Mm. always different kinds of women who think about uh, different points of view about uh, you know assault and marriage Mm -hmm. and whether you should stay, whether you should go. And you're like, this is some weird stuff. Yeah. So I think people, it's good like water cooler talk. That's so cool. I can't wait. Um, And, you know, 
What I really liked about the show is that it's such a collaborative process and there were so many women involved in the show. And um, so can you talk about like what it was like on set? Like it obviously it's a different experience than when you have like a bunch of dudes around. You're like the only woman. So can you sort of talk about like the joys of just being able to work with women unfiltered? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I started out my career, I was 14 years old. I think probably till I was about 27, I was one of the only women on set. Really? It only started to change in the late 2000s. Wow. And then to this day, I mean, it's just very few people of color mm. and very few people, um, you know, representing different ideas. And film is such a collaborative experience that it's so exciting that I got to put together a project that actually had women talking to other women mm -hmm. who actually had leading roles that I would go, okay, I'm going to be gone and Zoe Kravitz is going to shoot for a week and talk about her storyline, mm -hmm. um, which is really good this year. It's hers is really good. And then Shailene, mm -hmm. you know, we would just share, we shared the responsibility, but we also were having conversation. And it's so weird because Nicole and Laura Dern and I would sit with each other on set and say, have you ever had this many words to say to another woman in a, in a show before? And we were all like, no. Wow. Never. Yeah. For this sustained long period of time too. Yeah. And that we fight like real women fight. And yeah. we, wait, we make up like real women make up. And um, that was really cool. But I have to say one of the best actually like working behind the scenes experience was working with Ava DuVernay. Because yeah. she, she wholeheartedly believes like if the you know, the actual crew reflects the way the world, we walk through it, mm -hmm. you know, when we see things, what comes out on the other side, the actual finished product is different. And I absolutely felt that. So I learned a lot from her when I was working. And I've since then, big little, t little eyes too, the mm -hmm. actual crew was totally different than one. And uh, the show I just finished with Jennifer Aniston, morning show, that was the same experience yeah. where we just like, you work really hard because the people who've been doing the behind the scenes work have been there for years and generations. So you have to say, hey, is there a woman for that job? Can I see other yeah. people? Can I interview different people. So it was just, um, it was a great experience. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So I want to take it back a little bit because I read okay, that. Um, <laughs> Am I talking too much? No, I don't know. You're great. People okay. want to hear you. Okay. They hear my dumb voice all the time. They get it. That's not it's true. Phoebe, you two, but Oprah, so they get it. <laughs> They're like, we know. <laughs> um, but I, you know, we all know that you started out in entertainment as a kid. And I read that you interned on films when you were younger and you parked actors' cars. Yes. <laughs> did, how did that even happen? I ha okay. I was an intern <laughs> on Devil in a Blue Dress and um, Denzel Washington was starring in it and he had this Porsche and I had to park his Porsche. Oh my God, no. So I was at the front desk and he was like, he was like, hey, and he had to go into a casting um, session and he handed me the keys and I was like, holy shit, I can't drive that car. First of yeah. all, I'm going to wreck it. I'm the worst driver in the world. <laughs> Second of all, you get in it and I had never driven a Porsche, but it's really like, it's a stick. Yeah. And I stripped all the gears and I was like, he's going to really, die. I'm going to like burn out his clutch. Um, but it was fun and it was good. It gave me perspective. I think anybody, you know, starting out, I make my kids like mm -hmm. get jobs in the summer and stuff. I think if you don't work in every place, right, mm -hmm. I, you don't understand or appreciate the people who work around you, I think, yeah. or you can, but it's hard because you haven't 
you know, been the person that had to get everybody coffee or make sure that the fridge was stocked or um, run packages to somebody's house in the middle of the night. Um, It's actually a funny story. My husband worked um, at the CAA agency. Um, He started in the mailroom when he was like 26 and he drove a package to my house. Wait, what? Isn't that crazy? Oh my God, that's wild. And he's like, Whoa. yeah, I took a package to your house and he was like, you were really nice, but you lived in this house. So, you know, and I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. And you like don't remember that at all, obviously. Like, no, right? I yeah. don't remember at all. Wow. But, um, you know, we talk a lot about that. And yeah. it's what part of what I find really amazing about my husband is that he has had every job. And and I think it's important that, you know, my kids are kind of doing everything and, mm-hmm. you know, that you just don't, walk into experiences and expect to be the vice president of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I run into people like that. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> and then like, also my other thing is like, they don't want to be like yelled at. And I was like, I can't even tell you how many times I've been yelled at. Yeah. If I only worked with people I liked, I wouldn't work in Hollywood. <laughs> you know. I wouldn't have done any movies. <laughs> you don't have to like them. You just have to do it. Yeah. You know? And now I'm in a position where I get to hire people I like, but I yeah. wasn't then. And it was great. Because I learned not only what I did want to be, mm. but everything I didn't want to do. Yeah. And so what were some of the, the things where you're like, oh, I don't want to be like that? Like whether it was like traits or sort of like attributes that you were just like, oh, no, that's like not. I can't stand it when people treat extras bad, like mm. the extras on things like like they're people. And film is a collaborative thing. It's like you need every person, 250 people to make things happen. Yeah. On the every. <laughs> Um, Oprah told me this story about when I was working with Oprah. Yeah, I just said Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so inspired by her. I literally just hang on every You guys word. are like besties now. Well, I'd like to think she's like my yeah. best friend. I kind of make it up. And I always apologize to Gail when I see her. I'm like, you know I'm just kidding when I say we're best friends, right? And she's like, mm, okay, Reese with his moon. But she's, um, she's okay. She lets me joke about it because she's secure in her best friend. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I've learned a lot about her as a businesswoman. We would mm-hmm. be sitting in the trailer for Wrinkle in Time and she would be on a board call for Wake Watchers or she'd be like figuring out a Deepak Chopra, like what her next meditations would be and stuff. And she told me a story about a guy who worked as a custodian mm-hmm. in her studio yeah. and that she said to him one day, what are your hopes and dreams? And he said, I'm living my dream. I work on the Oprah Winfrey show. Oh. Oh my god! I mean, doesn't that make you want to cry? That's <laughs> like, amazing. So everybody there feels empowered and part of something yeah. amazing. So I think that's like a goal for me. That anybody that works at my company or works on a film crew that I'm on, I want them to feel part of something special. So that's that's my goal. Yeah. Do you have like any favorite moments from being an actor, like as a child, like any like? <laughs> no, it's so mortifying sometimes when I see like my pictures of myself as a little kid. No, and I'm like, you were oh, so I cute. Well, Come on. Um, I was just, I didn't know anything. I was mm. so young. I was from Nashville, Tennessee. I literally knew nothing. I yeah. didn't know anybody. I um, had to audition when I was 14 for Robert De Niro, and I had oh no God. clue who he was. No clue. <laughs> like, when when I see Goodfellas, yeah. I had never seen like like a taxi driver. Yeah. And I went in, and I remember I was going in, and I was in the taxi, and I and the man said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "My mom was with me too, and she she like knew who Robert De Niro was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a big deal. Yeah. In her life. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Robert De Niro. But then I walked in, and the man was like, "Who are you going to see?" And I said, "I'm going to see Robert De Niro." And he's like, "What?" 
And then I got so scared and nervous. I shook through the whole oh, audition. No. And he had to say all my lines for me. And I'll never to this day, I was like, oh, but he'll never remember that. And then I saw him 10 years later and he was like, remember that audition that you did? And you were so bad for Cape Fear. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. It was so bad. And there's a tape out there yeah. somewhere. I always think, where are my old tapes? That would be funny to see. Yeah. Because I took myself very seriously. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine there's a little Tracy Flick in there. <laughs> okay. I love, I'm glad you brought up uh, Tracy Flick because I loved Election. It's so, so brilliant. And I think right now what we're going through, <sighs> you're like, damn, not right. just a movie. Right. Also real life. Um, so... How are you feeling about that film? It's coming up on, this is the 20th anniversary. Did you realize sort of when you guys were making this movie that it was going to have the cultural impact that it has? No. Yeah. It was terrible. Some guy last night was actually at this dinner party was saying to me, Paramount did not like the movie so much that they tried to like sell the movie really fast or half of the movie to offload their costs. And he goes, I got called by the head of Paramount and he told me like, I got to get rid of this thing. It's a piece of crap. Oh my God. <laughs> and by the way, it didn't do well when it came out. They it marketed didn't... it like a teen film mm. and it was like a teen film, but it was an allegory and it was like a satire about politics. And it was yeah. about, um, I can't remember if it was the 92 or something like that. And um, But I think what's really interesting is that we think, think about female political archetypes. Mm-hmm. We don't have any. Yeah. So we have like Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character right now. We have Tracy Flick. And then it's like, what other political female yeah. character do we point to? Um, so other than like women who've played the random president, you know, but yeah. you don't like, oh, that's a really specific thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important that we see more storytelling around that, mm-hmm. I think could help us encourage us. But I'm, I think I am so encouraged by how many women are running for president. Yeah, And the midterm elections were amazing. Just we got to get, representation mm-hmm. um, because it's uh, it's astounding to me. I feel sick inside when I read about, you know, women's rights being taken away right and left yeah. every single day like it's no big deal. Oh, and they're, you know, legislating about it and it's just a bunch of guys yeah. talking about our bodies, talking about how we're going to, you know, never putting a moment of thought into like what does that mean yeah. for women who have been traumatized, you know, or even just want to have choice um it's devastating so get out there ladies yes <laughs> run for office yeah please yeah take it over please yeah and that idea that you have to be likable all the mm. time is so much bullshit and yeah. and i think i think we're getting past that stigma with women like yeah. i can i can understand your ambition like it's cool yeah it's like kind of cool to be ambitious it's yeah. ambitious to want to run companies and raise your hand and say, I want to be the leader instead mm-hmm. of have, wait for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can you please try and be the leader? Yeah. Oh, what, me? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember when you said, um, I forget where you said this, but you said ambition is not a dirty word. Oh, which yeah. is, I think that's so key for a lot of people because I think sometimes you want something, but you feel like, oh, sh- I shouldn't want like this big thing. Like maybe I'm being too greedy. Um, so what made you get to a place in your life where you're like, ambition is totally fine? Well, part of it is like watching my kids' behavior and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend was telling me the other day she had a group of girls in her house and a group of boys. And they're all about like teenage, like 14, 15. And she asked the boys what they wanted for dinner. And they were like, pizza and Mountain Dew and all this <laughs> stuff. And then the girls are like, I don't know. What do you want? 
well, I don't know. What do you know? And she, it was like this aha moment for mm-hmm. her that women are, it starts that about that age where they're self-conscious, first of all, and you're kind of told to make yourself small. Yeah. And I've definitely done that. I know it seems like I have this big personality mm-hmm. now, but I've definitely been in relationships where I made myself really small. I've been on movie sets where I made myself very small because sometimes it's just the easiest way to exist. Mm-hmm. And, and then sometimes it's the only... And I'm fully aware that, you know, and for me to say that and to be a a white woman in America saying that is um, devastating when I think about other people, like Mm -hmm. what their experiences must be to to not be seen or heard. So that's when I think about ambition and how important it is to say it out loud and how important it is to say things like, I want to make money, Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Because men aren't afraid to say that. And if we don't get women talking like that, and in a way they don't have to make themselves small or their desires are small and secret, Mm -hmm. um, then I think people are going to act more boldly and become their best selves and their most true selves and their best leadership selves. Oh, my gosh. You know? You should write a self-help book. Well. (sighs) You should, Reese. You got to do it. You know how hard it is to write a book. It's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> we both know. It's very annoying. <laughs> but then oh my you're God. done with it. Do you know what's even you harder know? that people don't talk about? The reading the audiobook. Did, yes. Did you find I that hard? I hate it. I hate every day I would complain. I'd be like, I don't know how to read. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know how to read. It's a nightmare. I'm like, I wrote this? Yes. It's so bad. Can I go back and redo it? I was like, can I edit this part? This isn't funny. <laughs> that just came off weird. Yeah. I loved your book. Um, no, you can't touch my hair. Stop it, Reese. I loved it. I read it on vacation like <laughs> four, four years ago. I was laughing out loud. And my girlfriend's like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> it was so great. Oh, my so gosh. Great. So technically, I've been on vacation with you. Yeah, well, technically, yeah. We've been to the Bahamas together. Oh, my God. You enjoyed it. Okay, great. Did I get tipsy or was I like, okay? No, no. You were like okay. pleasantly pleasantly um, drunk, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> But not like obnoxious. You weren't like slurring or anything. (laughs) You kept your top on. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm glad we're talking about books because you are such an avid reader and, you know, you have your book club and you're getting people out there and motivated and excited to talk about books. I'm excited about a lot of things. Yeah, which is great. And so how did you sort of feel like, okay, books is the next thing that I want to tackle? Well, I I didn't realize that I I read a lot of books. Like Mm -hmm. my husband would say, you know, you read a lot. And I was like, yeah, but everybody reads a lot. He's like, no, they don't. And I was was like, well, how much do people? And then I started kind of doing research and people going, no, I read like one or two books a year. But I was reading so much that Mm -hmm. he was like, why aren't you buying them and making them into movies? Because people don't even read that much. And I was like, that's a really good idea. I don't know. So that's when I started. Um, I bought Wild and Gone Girl the same mm-hmm. year, and they both hit number one um, and bestseller list. And I turned them both into movies like mm-hmm. within two years. But my other thing was like, I got to be fast and they have to be right. good because um, I'm dead in the water. You, you can buy something and then it's a piece of shit. And then everybody's like, all right, thank yeah. you. Go back to being an actress. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it they turned out great. And Gone Girl became this like big thing. Mm-hmm. And and that was exciting. So then I started buying more books and talking to more book scouts and reading things early. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you more shots to read them early when you have success. So now I just, I probably read four or five books a month. That's pretty good. And I just yeah. love, I love reading. It, I don't, I don't watch, as you 
I told you I'm only on season four of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like the pace I like to watch yeah. TV at. Um, I'll watch like one episode of Kill Eve. And I'm like, that was amazing. I'm just going to wait another month. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I read so much. And I just, I get passionate about books. And um, and I get passionate about And I also know which one will be a good movie and which ones won't be a mm-hmm. good movie. So that kind of streamlines the process. Yeah. What have been some of your favorites of recent memory? Um, okay. Our new book, that book is so good. It's called From Scratch by Tembi Locke. And it's all about this girl from Texas. And she moved to Italy. Well, she went there just to study abroad. Mm-hmm. And she met this sexy Italian guy who was a chef. And they fell madly in love. Um, but her, his family kind of didn't like her because she was African-American. He, they weren't sure about that relationship. But he moved to America. And you find out in the first chapter, he they end up having a baby and he gets sick. <sighs> It is like Ugh. real life drama. It's yeah. under the Tuscan sun, but also real story. So it's mm-hmm. her memoir. It's beautifully written, and we're turning it into a TV show. Oh my gosh! With yay. Zoe Saldana, I'm so excited. That's awesome. Um, and it's gonna be amazing. Wow. And Tembi and her sister Attica are gonna adapt it. <gasps> I don't know for who yet because yeah. we haven't closed the deal, but I'm really excited. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's just talk about Hello Sunshine. Okay. Girl, I like when you say Hello Sunshine. Hello, sunshine. (laughs) Hello, sunshine. (laughs) I mean, I think what's so great is that you're just bringing so many different kinds of stories to the forefront and saying that they are valid. And I just want to know, you have so many facets of Hello, Sunshine. So how are you managing all of that? Like, it just blows my mind. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I have a great team. I have a great team. There's probably like 35 people, maybe 36 people who work there now and um, just incredible leadership, Mm -hmm. incredible new talent. And everybody's just excited to be part of something that's changing things, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking about new ideas, new voices. The most fun thing for me is to call an author and say, we picked your book as the book club book because it just, the exposure that they get, the kind of actually camaraderie they Mm -hmm. get with each other. Um, it exposes them to a whole new audience of readers and people, you know, there's so much like TV out there. I just want people to tell me what to watch. Just tell me yeah. what to watch. <laughs> and I feel the same way about books. There's so many freaking books. Just tell me, and you guarantee me it's going to be like worth my time. Yeah. I guarantee you if I put my sticker on it, <laughs> it's worth your time because I have read five books that are not worth your time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hacking this for you. So, um, but I love it. And, yeah. I, and I love interacting with them and... Getting to turn their their stuff into TV shows sometimes or mm. movies is so exciting. We had this one author, and um, I don't want to. She's in her seventies. Yeah. It's her first book. Whoa, that's she, awesome! And she was. Uh, um, it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. Her first book that's not about science because she's a scientist. Mm. She studied elephants in the nature for twenty four years. Cool, so yeah. cool. And she decided to write a story that was about a little girl living alone in the woods. And this book just sold over one million copies. It's amazing. That's incredible. I know. We're turning it into a movie. And it's like stuff like that gives me chills. And I just think, if that's all I ever, I always get the end of a project and I go, if that's all I ever do, I'll be good. Yeah. And then I get to the end of the next one. I'm like, if that's all I ever do, I'll feel happy. Yeah. Because you got a lot going. You got the the morning show for Apple. Right. I mean, when is that coming out? The morning show, I think, is coming out this fall. Okay, great. And it's me, Aniston, and um, Steve Carell. Okay, that's 
a dynamic trio. So fun. Come on. So fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Every day is so fun. Yeah. yeah. Can you give us like a sneak peek at it or not really? Like any hints mm-hmm. as to what we can expect? No, all I know, and yeah. well, it's about morning television. That's all yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I okay. think it'll surprise people. It's yeah. got some cool stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so I want to switch gears a little I bit. I want to hear you're going to, are you going to Europe? I am. To interview Michelle? Yeah, so I did that uh, two weeks ago. We did, oh, you did? How we did was Stockholm that? and Oslo. It was so fun. Was it amazing? It was amazing. It was definitely like I was nervous because, you know, I'm dating a Brit. Okay. You know, the Brits. I've heard your English accent. It's, it's very trash. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, if you. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. You can work on it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people in the UK are a little more reserved, you know, as opposed to Americans. Right. And so I was worried that they were just going to be sort of like stone faced, but like they were like in it and like so it was just awesome. It was really, really cool. It was fun. Was your reception in, in America like just bananas? Detroit was like so lit. Yeah. It was just like 15,000 like black aunties just like <laughs> getting their best lives, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Well, I was in Denver and people were screaming. Yeah. I've ne- can I be, can I real talk? Yes, please. I've never been that nervous in my whole life. Yes. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. not kidding because there was so much, um, I just wanted to get every historical date right. Mm-hmm. And, there were, and they were like, I brought all these cue cards and they were. Sh- I was shaking. And she was so cool and chill. Yeah. But I was like, I wanted to make sure I said the right date for the election and when he became a senator. And I just totally like spaced myself out. And then I got off stage. <laughs> They had these cameras, and she was like, "How are you? Are you okay?" I was like, "I think I, I'm glad it's over." And now I like in her documentary. I'm sure that I go, "It's I'm glad it's over. I'm not glad it's over. I loved it every second of it. It was just the scariest thing that's ever happened to me, yeah. including it was scarier than winning an Oscar. It was. It was this, what? I'm not kidding. It was the scariest uh, thing that's ever no, happened to me. No, because they call your name for the Oscar, and you're like, "Shit, I gotta drop a dope speech." Yeah, because this is the clip that they're gonna show when yeah. you die. <laughs> <laughs> and it better like mean something, yeah. You know, and like you're, you're sorry. The biggest judgment day of your life. Like, are you a jerk? Are yeah. you kind of a narcissistic <laughs> asshole? Or are you like a kind of cool person? Yeah. And um, that's how nervous I felt. Yeah. Well, also I respect her so much mm-hmm. that I wanted to do right by her. And oh my god. Yeah. I, I mean, s- my heart is like beating out of my chest thinking about it. It was scary. The first one I did was Philly, and I sweat so much that by the end when I stood up. My feet was just sliding around in my shoes. It was just full of sweat. And I was like, this is great. And I wore this like white dress. And I told her I was going to wear it at like my wedding. And she was just like, what? So I was like, cool. I'm not engaged. But just so you know, this is the dress. I'm <laughs> it oh was so fun. That's it was so cool. It was crazy. Um, but I want to, so I want to switch gears um, because. You, I think, and as we listen through this episode, you have so many nuggets of wisdom that you're always dropping, which I think is amazing. Um, And I think you do such powerful work in Hollywood. And one of the things I really love is that you're now also focusing on women being underpaid. Yeah. Um, And so can you sort of talk about your role in that? And like, has there been like resistance from some people when you talk about it? Or do you feel like people are really rallying behind your message? Oh, you mean you mean in public or behind yeah, the scenes? Because I can tell you they're two different things. Yeah, I would love to hear that because yeah. we just like I just see like in public and everyone's like, yeah, but I'm like, there's no way that everyone's so excited about women getting paid more money. Let's be <laughs> honest, you know? You're so right. <laughs> there's some people that are like, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, 
You know, it's been really interesting because as a producer, you know, I, I see what people are paid and I get to see comps, mm -hmm. what a guy will get paid and what a woman will get paid. Mm -hmm. And the disparity is really disheartening sometimes. Um, and I've had to have some really awkward, awful conversations, mm -hmm. contentious conversations, but they're the right conversations to have. And I don't know if I would have felt as empowered to have those conversations if it hadn't been for the Me Too movement and what Tarana Burke has been doing, um, the Time's Up movement and what, you know, I feel the mm -hmm. solidarity of people. Yeah. You know, when we weren't talking and having conversations, nobody was sharing each other's salaries and it was to our deficit, you know? Wow. Yeah. And now I'll pick up the phone and call anybody. And I also say to young actors and any any peer of mine, call me anytime. I'll tell you exactly what I made at that place mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what comp it was based on or whatever. And also tell you, I try, I try to just, if you know your business, mm -hmm. then you know where the cracks are. And and I've had some great conversations. Yeah. There's been some incredible leaders in our industry who've gone, you know what? We didn't do the right thing and we're going to step up and do the right thing. Um, or people who went back to <laughs> – HBO was amazing. They went yeah. back and looked at everyone's salary and t changed the whole salary structure for oh, that's incredible. every yeah. single show. Um, and that it's just the right thing to do, you know? Um, but – I think you have to you have to have hard conversations and you have to be willing to put your neck out there and and go these people aren't going to like me very much. Yeah. And some people don't like me very much. Yeah. And I've had people say, "Why are you playing the gender card?" Mm. or um, "Don't you just want to get this made?" And I've made enough movies. I mm. have, but it doesn't if I don't create some change while I have the currency to do it, that's how I want to spend the currency I've accumulated. Yeah. And it feels right for me. And you know how, like, <laughs> I'm going to bring up Oprah again. But you know how she's like, when you click into the frequency that you're supposed to be on, mm -hmm. this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know why it took me so long to, to get to that place. Yeah. Um, I was, like, watching and observing and learning. And I feel like now in my 40s, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be the person that says the thing that's unpopular. Yeah. But you're going to feel good about it, bud. Yeah. And trust me. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You're going to feel really good. And they do. You know, when they do the right thing, they feel really good. Yeah. And they should. And companies, and I should say consumers should reward companies that are doing well. If you hear mm -hmm. that they do a really cool thing, when you say it on Twitter, it matters to them. Yeah. Like I heard that they're making this show or that they pay, you know, people equally on this. Shout them out. I yeah. say social media, too, has changed everything yeah. in my life and my career, too. And that you get this immediate response. And that the thing that women also, I don't think they re realize. I, I was sitting with this CMO of this big company last night, and she was like, women don't realize they are 83% of consumer spending. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. if you think about it, like, who buys all the stuff for the yeah. family? Who does, like, it, it's... And they're buying, women are on social media more. Mm -hmm. Women are on Amazon more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, I don't have st stats, but even if you talk to anybody, these companies are like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So know your power, you know? Know that you are very important to these companies. And um, every, every click, every like, you know, it, it matters to them. And if you find out that they don't have a lot of women on their board, you should call them out on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love that. so things don't change unless you start saying it. It's good to hear, it, and I know we're, we're running low on time, so okay. I want to ask my final question. Are we going to do a speed round or something? Okay, well, whatever you want to ask me. It's okay. you. <laughs> uh, sorry, this is your show, not mine. How rude! 
You don't want to hear my Australian accent? It's almost, it's oh, similar to your it? English. Oh, my God, let's hear it. When I pretend to be Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um, Reese. Um, oh, love. Oh, oh. <laughs> Are we shooting this? Are we doing? Oh, no, it's English. It sounds English, doesn't it? <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? That was good. I can't do it's trash. Australian. Um, let me. Keith Urban is like yeah. he's New Zealand. Oh, 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 oh which is completely confusing I my brain. Messed up, y'all. I um, think. Well, I don't know. I feel like he is from New Zealand, but he sounds like an Australian. That's what I say. People are like, it's so different. I'm like, it's. Yeah, he sounds <laughs> not to you know. Anyway, okay. I want to go. <laughs> Okay, so but I want to I want to close because I think that you have such a wonderful message. Um, so I want you to just leave us with a little nugget of wisdom that we can take with us and carry us forward in our lives. Oh Lord! <laughs> you know what I always say to my kids, and I always thought I would, and I said this to them when they were little, and mm-hmm. I think I never realized. Like my mother said to me, my grandmother said, "Walk with purpose in the direction you're going." And and I say it because a lot of people, you know how kids always look around to see who's the line leader Mm -hmm. and where are they going? And I follow the line. People are like that too. Yeah. And if you walk with purpose in the direction that you're going, not the way your girlfriend's going, not the Mm -hmm. way your boyfriend's going, the way you're going, people will, first of all, respect you more, but also you'll get to where you're going quicker. Yeah. And I think people will listen because people with purpose and real clear purpose um, have a tendency to be heard. I mean, I think that's the title of your self-help book. <laughs> Walk with purpose. Do you think I could do that? Yeah. Oh. And then you could put on your own book club list. <laughs> Would it be weird if I picked my own book for my book club? <laughs> I, By the way, I'd like to point out, I did not pick my own book for my book club. Did you think about it? And you were like, no. I can't. No. My, my, <laughs> the people who work on my book club are like, that's like voting for yourself yes. in an election, which you probably should vote for yourself yeah, in an election. You have to. Tracy Flick voted for herself. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was right. Yeah. Vote for yourself, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Queen Reese, Aww. thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Phoebe. This was so fun. This was so fun. I'm, I'm excited for Big Little Lies. And if there's a third one, I would love to have a cameo. You should be in it. I can work in shop. Okay. <laughs> I'll sell incense. <laughs> and I'll just be like, you yeah, get your life together. And that would be like... <laughs> What I tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so cool. Oh, so if people haven't seen Big Little Lies, I just wanted to let you know that HBO YouTube is for two days and two days only going to show every episode of Big Little Lives for free on Mother's Day weekend. So you can catch up. Yeah. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Queen. All right. Thank you. God damn. Joni Mitch, I have one question for you. What's your question? Can you even? Phoebe Robinson? Yes. I cannot. (laughs) Wasn't that like the best interview? It was so good. The fact that I got to see her in 3D. I know. Incredible. It's pretty huge. A gift. Yeah. Now we just got to head to Vegas. We got to head to Vegas. We're going to get her cell number. (laughs) She's like, absolutely not. Are you on Snapchat? (laughs) Do you do TikTok? (laughs) TikTok. (laughs) I would follow. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's safe to say that we're both super excited for this upcoming season of Big Little Lies, which comes out when, Joni? Oh, 
June 9th. So set your DVRs, get your parents' HBO password, and just, like, stay tuned for everything that Reese has cooking up in the future. It's a lot, you guys. I don't know how she sleeps. I'm so excited. Do you want to do the credits? But can you do, like, a dramatic, like, you're a character on Big Little Lies, and this is your big monologue, Joni? So Many White Guys team includes Anne-Marie Baldonado, Joanna Salataris, Paula Schumann, Joe Plord, Keegan Zema, Isaac Jones, Nor Wazwas, and moi, Phoebe Robinson. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Don't forget to follow Reese on the socials and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DopeQueenFeeds. And of course, don't forget to catch me during my stand-up tour. Sorry, Harriet Tubman. I will be coming to a town near you. So go to phoeberobinson.com, check out my dates, my schedule, and get your tickets. Just cross it off your to-do list already. Joni, I think you're a great actress. Thank you so much. I took one drama class at the Southwest Summer Program in Minneapolis, (laughs) Minnesota. When I was 10. How did that go? I mean, judging from this, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. (laughs) Did you like acting or are you kind of like, "Eh, I was really shy. Were you? You didn't do anything. You always talk about how you just like watch the West Wing. Yeah. That's very accurate. It wasn't until later in life, like my early 20s. Yeah. That I was like, let's go for it. Well, I'm glad you did. Me too. Because guess what? What? We're cool and we kick ass. Yeah. And you guys are great listeners. And we're, we got so rich from this podcast. People don't even know. Yeah, I'm rolling in money. We are like on the Forbes list. You know that scene in Indecent Proposal where that woman's just <laughs> naked and rolling around in money? Oh, That's Demi Moore? Me. Yes. <laughs> that woman. I'm like, you mean acclaimed actress Demi Moore? <laughs> <laughs> uh.